0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome to part 2 on the uh, CT of the stomach. And I left off last time talking a bit about technique, when we used uh, water, when we use positive contrast. And let's speak about virtual endoscopy. And virtual endoscopy obviously is the same thing as virtual colonoscopy. You, you distend the stomach with air, trying to get a better look at the folds of the stomach. And there have been several articles about this. Here was one article, the unique benefit of virtual gastroscopy in a multi-window environment. Is the ability to look inside and outside of the stomach simultaneously to navigate within the virtual uh, spaces of the stomach and that another article with thin collimation and isotropic data sets uh, multiplanar reconstruction and 3d of the gastric images is indeed something very possible and something critical so let me show you some examples if you use water you get a very nice visualization of the gastric wall we showed you that and i can make very nice 3d images What I can do also with that is use the volume rendering to accentuate the gastric folds. And you can see that very, very nicely here. Now, in this situation, you could use air. You could use water. You can use positive contrast. A key is giving IV contrast because the folds enhance. And that's what gives you sort of those ridges. You can use a lighting model to change all that. And that would work very nicely. And you can see you get a very good look at the folds. You can see we're peeking down into the patient's antrum, so something that's very good. But let's change the perspective a bit. What if I give somebody air? Well, here, single and double contrast, you can see now I have basically a bag, a balloon filled with air, and I could look at that balloon in many different ways. And you can see here, looks like a double contrast upper GI series, or a single contrast upper GI series. But I could do more. Once this balloon is inflated, if I put my scope, which is that yellow line, inside the stomach, you can see the gastric folds. You can see the fluid layering out. That's one of the issues if you do virtual gastroscopy. You can't have any fluid in the stomach, and probably like virtual colonoscopy, you need to do prone and supine images, but you can see a very good look. Now I'm looking straight down into the antrum and Here's another patient looking toward the antrum, looking at the fold pattern. And here we're looking back toward the body of the stomach. Uh, so it's something that really is impressive how good the detail with CT is. There's some issues as I mentioned, fluid, or sometimes if you use fizzies, the fizzies can look like polyps. But those are some issues, but I think they can be overcome because look at the advantages. Look at this case. There are some polyps in the stomach. These are actually just gastrointestinal stromal tumors, multiple, but look how nicely we can visualize them. So what we're doing now is doing endoscopic CT. So it's something I think that's very exciting. You can see how much better detail you can get because look at this patient here. Look at the fold pattern in the stomach, uh, interior gastric wall. You say, well, maybe a minimal thickening, but look how it looks here. Or it looks here, these hyperplastic polyps. So again, we can see so much more. Or in this case, obvious gastric wall infiltration. This is like a linitis plastica involving the stomach, but I have my scope in the stomach and look at that fold pattern. Look how lobular the folds are. And I could play some games with the newest virtual colonoscopy software and get a panoramic view. And when I get that panoramic view, look how nicely I can see those large lobulated folds. So again. It's not something we routinely do, but I just wonder if it's something perhaps we should be routinely doing. That it's something that really um, can add to our ability for detecting early gastric cancer, as this article has showed. Now, it's not just being able to travel around. I showed you these two references before. But in this one article by Lian Kao, and this is a number of years back, 1998, I, I, that was like a four-slice CT, tumor detection rate was 93% with 3D versus 64% with axial. That's quite an impressive difference. And in other articles like this one, the fact is is not just seeing the lesion, but improving the preoperative uh, diagnosis, the accuracy, the staging. And you can see in Kim's paper, when you look at it in more detail, that 87% of the patients were, uh, had the tumor detected with uh, axial images only, but 98% with volumetric imaging. And the accuracy of staging was 77% for transverse imaging and 84% for volume imaging. So you can see it makes tremendous difference. And even more recent articles, an article by uh, Kumuno, MDCT of patients with gastric cancer gave 93 percent accuracy in the assessment of serosal invasion. So we're really looking at changes in philosophy. We're looking at again things we've mentioned to you many times about how we go from the axial images to how we go to the 3D mapping. And here's one article by Shimizu. Now one of the things is you notice that a lot of these authors are Japanese and they're in Japan. Uh, and the reason I mentioned that is of course in Japan gastric cancer has a much higher frequency. Uh, They're trying to look for earlier stage tumors, and you can see they've been working very hard at trying to optimize detection of early stage tumors, and that article detection rate for vast cancers, 96%, early cancers, 41%. Uh, and again, MPR was much better, but you can see the fine will be to pick up these early cancers. So again, now we're at 64 slice, higher spatial resolution, isotropic data sets, fast acquisition. These are all things potentially we should do better at. And just um, to let you know, in that article with, from Shimatsu that I just showed you, that was only a four-slice scanner, so we should do a whole lot better. So I think that's very exciting. So in saying that, that's kind of my look at some of the technical aspects of the study. So let's get down to some of the basics. So gastric cancer, you know, a lot of deaths, over 650,000 deaths worldwide. In the U.S., interestingly, the incidence has decreased over the past 60 years. It's rare before age 40, it's usually 50 to age 70. Uh, Most patients will have advanced disease at presentation. I think part of that is because uh, symptoms can be very variable. But these days, with CT being done earlier, perhaps we will pick up people at earlier stages. There are risk factors, pernicious anemia, H. pylori infection. We're all familiar with that, that it can give up to a six times increase in gastric cancer. minitriase disease, which is rare. Post-resection stump cancer. But again, that's also very, very uncommon. In terms of distribution, it's literally a very uh, equal distribution between antrum, body and fundus, with about 10% having linitis or diffuse infiltration. So really we need to look at all parts of the study. Now I gave you some articles that had very good results. I didn't share the articles that had very bad results. There's no doubt your accuracy depended in, on the study protocol. If the study protocol had five millimeter thick sections every five millimeters, there wasn't great distension, there wasn't great IV bolus, it just did not work out. And then, of course, it's not just the study acquisition, but I remember we mentioned to you about articles showing how NPRs were more accurate than axials, and how 3Ds were more accurate than axials, and as I mentioned, we use NPR and 3D, so we're trying to maximize things, we're trying to uh, do things to the max, as they would say. So let's look at gastric cancer at an OCA. What are we we looking at? Well, we spend most of our focus on primary tumors. We also will look, of course, at local disease and distant metastasis as we stage or follow these patients up. So the CT appearance is variable. It can be focal thickening, which can be very minimal. It can be a polypoid lesion. It can be diffuse wall thickening with or without lobulations. I showed you those lobulations on the endoluminal view. It can be bulky tumor, it can be diffuse infiltration, it can be with or without ulcerations. There is a CT staging basically uh, where you look at T1 with minimal thickening and T2 moderate wall thickening with spread to the soft tissues, minimally around the stomach. T1 lesions are extremely rare on CT. T2, T3 are the more common things we see. Again, perigastric spread. um, one word of caution, I'll show you examples, is you can overcall this, particularly if you scan people after a biopsy. And then the importance about infiltration of adjacent organs. Commonly, more bulky tumors, direct extension into the uh, spleen, for example, might be one of the situations. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the first lecture about wall thickness. And people, of course, most of us use wall thickness as an important criteria. There was this article by INCO a couple years back which said that if you had a thickness of one centimeter or greater at CT, you'd have a sensitivity of 100% for picking up lesions, but your specificity would be low. And so that is really the issue overcalling versus undercalling. One thing they did say, of course, however, was that if the thickening was focal, eccentric, and enhancing, then it was always, always malignancy. But of course, this constellation of findings was not always present. It was in a minority of patients, but here's just a simple example. Look how nicely you can see on the 3D images or the axial images the gastric wall, and then you see very nicely the thickening in the anteriorly in the body of the stomach. That's a classic carcinoma. You can see it very nicely circled on these other images. You can look at this case. Look at the gastric fundus now. Look at the EG junction. Now, there is some thickening there and there's some faint density. Well, you want to be very careful. That faint density could be calcification in a mucinous tumor. So, you want to be indeed very, very careful in this regard. And again, we always worry about the EG junction. Am I overcalling? Am I undercalling? Well, when you go beyond the axial plane, now look how nice when you look at 3D. The calcifications are more obvious, the infiltration of the fundus compared to the rest of the body of the stomach becomes very clear, the wall thickening is very obvious, and this is just a classic adenocarcinoma. Or this example. Look at the body and antrum. You can see the difference in the body, the nice mucosal enhancement. You get to the antrum, this thickening. This thickening is low density in the submucosa. It's not the thickening I mentioned before which was a pseudo lesion. That is infiltration of the antrum. This changes in the enhancement of the wall. This is classic carcinoma. There's also infiltration in the perigastric tissues here. And you look at this in a coronal display and it really shows it uh, much better. You really do appreciate the extension, the involvement of the uh, antrum. You really do get a good feel when you go to 3D imaging as to the mapping. So again, I mentioned the antrum as a pitfall, but you can see in this example as well, if you're very careful, you're looking at that abnormal enhancement, there is bulky changes. It's eccentric. Um, this is not an issue of under distension. This is not an issue of a pseudo lesion. I also make the point that you want to be very careful. We always worry about under distension. And what about this case? Is this under distension? Well, the stomach is well distended. If you're uncertain, give more oral contrast. But You see what you're seeing here is an infiltrating tumor of the uh, body and antrum, kind of giving a uh, linitis-type pattern. Here it is beautifully. And the way you can tell is the enhancing mucosa, the infiltration of the submucosa, and that's really giving you gastric outlet obstruction, basically. And you can see that again from this coronal uh, and oblique display. And so it's a very nice way of looking at things. Linitis plastica can be primary gastric cancer, can be metastasis, like from breast cancer. And again, you want to be very careful. You don't want to call things that are really lack of distension. But as you go through the image sets, and I'll just go through the images with you, you do recognize a differential enhancement. You look at things in cross-section. There's no doubt that's infiltration of the stomach. That's not simply going to be just lack of distention. Now, I mentioned before that if you have an antral lesion, one of the problems is if you have antral obstruction, then the stomach uh, distends on the axial images, it's hard to see the antrum. And here's just a great example. When you do the coronals, you see the distended stomach, delayed gastric emptying, and what you're really seeing is that infiltration into the antrum. I can oblique these data sets in 3D. So again, when you're looking at the antrum, that can be one of the more difficult areas to look at. So you want to look at this in different planes. So now we looked at the T part. The next thing becomes the end part of staging, the nodes. And what we do is, with uh, regional lymph nodes, particularly celiac axis, we call everything above 8 millimeters to be positive. Some people actually use um, you know, 6 millimeters. Um, Common areas for nodes are the celiac axis, there's no doubt. Now this is a bulky tumor infiltrating the lesser curvature, but you can see bulky nodes. Nodes are typically hypodense. The nodes could be extensive. In this case, they almost infiltrate the celiac axis where they appear to infiltrate like we typically see with pancreatic cancer. But look at the stomach, it's a linitis pattern. It's infiltration of the stomach. Here's a few more images to show that, but just a very nice example of nodes in this carcinoma. This is a bulky tumor. So you're talking about T3, uh, N2, N3 disease. We also can see local spread. I commented on that with more advanced disease. Here the spread goes beyond the stomach. Spread is not always the result of bulky tumors. This is not a very bulky tumor, but it's mainly exogastric extending to the uh, region of the celiac axis. And you can see a splenic infarct as well or this case tumor is growing down to the root of the mesentery and you can see bulky disease within the mesentery. You can see in this example there's extensive disease in the antrum but you recognize how much disease is really exogastric and when you take that from the axial plane and you go coronally you appreciate the extensive disease present and you appreciate how the disease tracks down the gastrocolic ligament and now you have a fistula between the stomach and the colon. So again, something very important to remember. And of course, you can have uh, carcinomatosis, you have ascites, you have implants everywhere. That's just something, of course, um, that's just in the T4 level of disease. So a couple final comments on that. MDCT. Gastric cancer, if you do it well, 93% accuracy in serosal invasion. And of course, as I mentioned, there's no surprise that CT is most accurate in the more extensive tumors. Its difficulty is the stage 1 or the stage 1 to stage 2 tumors. And uh, again, uh, the key, of course, will be to optimize uh, this. Now, there are pitfalls in terms of doing CT that are very, very important. Some pitfalls we can avoid. Some pitfalls are difficult to avoid. But why don't we come back and let's pick up at the pitfalls. And with that, I wish you a nice day.